Welcome to our continuing 2017 educational webinar series. I am Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Specialist for FIRST Healthcare Compliance. At FIRST Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business, a hospital, hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company, or skilled nursing facility. As part of our complimentary educational webinar series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. We are so pleased to have Jim Cucinata, CEO of Halo Health International. Jim started Halo Health International with Ellen Magenheim in 2010. Halo Health focuses on helping our friends and neighbors live healthier through the use of digital patient education platforms. These products broadcast customized ad-free advice in waiting, exam, and inpatient rooms as well as lobbies or cafeterias. Jim has been, has been a successful executive at Fortune 500 companies such as Newell Rubbermaid, Pfizer Consumer Products, and Tyco Toys as well as mid-size and startup companies such as Quickie Manufacturing. Jim has ample experience in leading sales, marketing, customer service, purchasing, and operations departments. He is known as an innovator, having won back-to-back -back Toy of the Year awards, as well as two first-place Popeye awards in his career. He understands the challenges of bringing concepts to market as he has launched over 1,000 consumer products. Jim received his MBA from the Rutgers University School of Business and has a BS in marketing from St. Joseph's University. Jim, go ahead. Great, thanks Catherine, and uh, thank you for having me today. I just wanted to um, let everybody know that this presentation today is going to be focused on educating your patients in the action. It is uh, light and airy, um, and we're going to uh, help you understand how to motivate your patients to help themselves. Focusing on education will better engage patients, which will, um, in theory, Follow downstream will help you uh, increase compliance. It will uh, raise your reimbursement rates. It will increase profits while reducing costs and, uh, most importantly, healthcare switches. So um, while we dive into it, uh, healthcare lives on buzzwords, right? Acronyms and buzzwords are everywhere. Uh, and some of them really are all centered around um, the same thing, right? You've got terms like patient engagement, satisfaction, education, communication, and here it's compliance. But at the end of the day, what they um, really are are ways to explain or measure patients being focused on their own health and being active participants in their health journey, right? I look at these even simpler. All of these really need to answer why should I care, right? If I'm a patient, I want to internalize what I'm working on because that's what is meaningful to me. Patients tend to um, look at things, you know, in a one-way mirror, much like everybody else does. And at the end of the day, if the answers aren't seen as reasonable, you're not going to get buy-in, right? And, and, and buy-in is the key to... Uh, making sure that a patient is motivated, increasing satisfaction, increasing engagement, and, and all the other um, compliance and adherence and all the other buzzwords basically mean if a patient cares, they're going to stay involved. So 
So, in my opinion, and my and thankfully, people like Press Ganey and the uh, Cleveland Clinic agree with me, is that uh, investing in education really both from the employee side and the patient side, will help the patient understand that they should care about your practice, your health system, and you individually. At the, um, at the end of the day, right, educating patients is the key to having them be engaged. But if you think about it, educating your employees is the key to getting patients engaged as well from the other end. Motivated employees are um, people who want to run the extra mile to help somebody get the help they need, help them understand uh, what their uh, diagnosis is and, and how they can live healthier. So, you know, one of the things people tend to forget is when you're doing education, it needs to be a full organizational um, thing. Because of numerous pressures to see so many patients and fill out charts and other busy work, we are not providing the service we would want if we were the patient. In some cases, people feel restaurants and retail are more compassionate than healthcare providers. The, uh, the old school authoritative relationship between patients and docs, it, it isn't working. Right, and, and this, this little cartoon is, is kind of, uh, in my opinion, a good way to sum up what's going on. Right, the doctor will see you now. Can't promise he'll talk to you, but he'll see you. Right, and if you think about it, most of the time during an appointment, the uh, the healthcare provider is staring at a screen. Right, they're, they're, they have to check the boxes. They have to go through the EMR, which is leading them through the appointment. And there's very little face-to-face -face interactivity. The people are in the room together, but they're really not, you know in the room together, if you, if you know what I mean. And to uh, give you a little further example, um, I was talking to my brother-in-law, and uh, he relayed a pretty interesting conversation to me. And, and it went something like this. Doctor said to him, your cholesterol is pretty high. You need to start watching what you eat, or we could put you on a statin. And, and, and he came back and he said, okay, I'll start to eat better, but uh, do I need to make any changes if I take the statin? And the doctor said, well, I would, but, you know, the, the statin's going to work almost regardless of what you do. So um, why don't you come back in, in a month or so, and, and we'll see what happens. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Well, my brother-in-law, he definitely wanted to make changes. So he went on the Internet that night, and he found every diet that claimed to reduce uh, cholesterol. And then he dove into that, and, and he exercised, he ran, and he ate, and he was eating like a rabbit, you know, salads at lunch, and all that type of stuff. And then he decided, you know what, this isn't for me. And uh, sadly, that lasted all of two days. He then um, was taking the uh, statin, and, and he realized that um, it was uh, kind of upsetting his stomach. And he just wasn't feeling right when he was taking it. So, you know, he kind of quit that after a week. So, so you know, you know, I'll pick on my brother-in-law a little bit. He doesn't have the uh, the best gumption in the world, but, you know, he's well-meaning. And he went back to uh, see his doctor, and, uh, and they had his blood test, and then they were, like, 
shocked that his cholesterol really didn't move all that much. And, uh, you know, it's kind of relaying it to me. And, you know, I don't say much. It's my brother-in-law. So but when he left the room, said to my sister, well, lots of things went wrong here. This, this is really what happened, right? For one, there was no communication, right? The, 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 the education part of the uh, conversation lasted all of, well, I think so. But this should work regardless. It's not a lot of uh, education. You know, there was very little um, conversation about, well, what is a healthy lifestyle? What's a healthy diet? You know, how can I make small changes to my um, life initially so that I'm not shocking my system and I can go and, and, and take this? And what are the side effects of the drug? And how should I take this drug? Should I be taking it with food? Should I not be taking it with food? Should I be taking it with water? Should I be taking it with other, you know, uh, beverages? How, how should I be, you know, administering it? And then what side effects do I need to worry about? You know, if I have an upset stomach for a couple of days, is that a big deal? If I, um, you know, am bleeding through my eyes, is, is that a bigger deal? So none of the basic things that, that needed to be um, told to my brother-in-law and, and why he should care were ever brought out. And as a result, there's no buy-in, right? He said, the doctor said, let's see. He tried it. He didn't like it. And, uh, and he kind of moved on. So that leads to, so what's, what's the answer, right? Well, there, there's no one answer. Um, every person's different. Every organization, you know, runs differently. But there are some things that I would say that just about every single organization will have um, ways to improve in very, very simple and simplistic ways. And, and, and the first way is you need to start with a conversation, right? Everything in life that is meaningful in terms of making changes usually starts from a simple explanation of what's going on, you know. And then you need to dive into things that, that are really going to hone into the why you should care, right? What are we going to do to fix it? Not what, what am I as the patient are going to do or you as the doctor, but what are we going to do? And how is this whole process going to work? You know, getting a little deeper into, you know, the, 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 the who, what, where, and why, and how of, of this system. And how long is it going to take? You know, the, the doctor said, look at it in a month, and, and nothing happened, right? Well, it wasn't a real month because nothing happened either from the patient's activity side. And then what's success look like? You know, that, that's one of, I think, one of the biggest things that people in life in general, in the business world, and, and really in, in the healthcare world right now, they don't look at. They don't look at what will success look like. If, if 20 points of cholesterol come down in six months, is that success? Well, depending on the severity of the case, it's depending on how that's affected the rest of that person's lifestyle then, you know, that may be a huge thing. If uh, somebody is looking at weight loss and they're obese, maybe a pound a week is success. Maybe two pounds a month is success, right? You need to talk about what, at the end of the day, are you going to measure so that everybody stays motivated. And then one of the things that I always hear is, well, we don't have time for that, right? Well, it's funny. You have time to 
admit somebody into the hospital and you have time to care for that person 24-7, but you don't have a staff person to come and talk to you about how to make your patients live better, you know, healthier or understand their, their process. So my suggestion is if you have five or six conversations that you're having over and over and over again with patients, maybe you create a little video, right? Hey, you have high cholesterol. While I go and write up your scripts and stuff, watch this video. And the video could talk about everything that they need to do. Or you hire an educator. Um, as you're scheduling patients and, and you're scheduling people who are on routine visits and things like that, uh, maybe you have that educator come in twice a week and, and all they do is after the, uh, the, the staff meets with a the patient, they meet with the patient for 10 minutes and, and go through things. And, oh, by the way, that interaction between the patient and the educator is a billable event, right? So you're able to offset the cost of that person by uh, billing insurance because you're going over and above to uh, provide education. The next thing that you really should do is follow up, right? Um, High-end restaurants, car dealers, Nordstrom's, they all follow up with calls. Uh, how was your service today? How was our service? Uh, what could we have done better, right? Please tell a friend. Uh, let them know that we care, right? You get all of those phone calls, but you never get one from your doc. You never get one from the health system, right? You never get one that says, you know, here's what we spoke about today. Here's some things that you can do. And oh, by the way, do you have any questions? The only follow-up you typically get is an email or a um, mailing of a survey saying, hey, let us know how we did. Well, you know what? I, I'm not sure how we did, right? I, I, I can't tell you how we did the day after I um, had an appointment because my head may still be spinning based on the diagnosis. I may be trying to get used to the treatment plan, and, and there's lots of other things that I'm trying to understand that really um, don't matter in terms of, you know, was the office clean? Was the staff nice to me? Th those aren't things that, that I really care about when I'm trying to understand what's going on. But if you have somebody who's making some calls, right, then you get real feedback. And, you know, for anybody that's kind of like rolling their eyes right now, I, I do want you to uh, think of an everyday scenario. So you take your car into uh, the dealer, and they come out and they say to you, I reviewed your car and here's what's going on. And immediately you, you feel that pit in your stomach and you get anxious and they start talking about stuff that you really don't understand and you know, you, you're like overwhelmed and you're like, yeah, 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 do, do whatever it takes. I got to keep my car safe, right? Well, now think of a patient who's just been told you have cancer or you have this or we need to do that, right? That overwhelming feeling is a 100 times worse than some metal and plastic that needs to have routine maintenance. And, and if you don't feel that that's important, think about that, right? Think about how when you tell somebody that they have cancer, they've stopped listening to you, and it doesn't matter what you tell them. You need somebody to call them in a couple days to say, I understand what you're going through. 
I understand you didn't listen to me at all. Now that you've had time to process what's going on, let's talk about your treatment plan. Let's start talking about how we're going to catch any issues of you not understanding how to use your insulin uh, before you end up in the emergency room, right? Being proactive is the key here. The uh, next thing that we really need to talk about is blasting them with patient education. So when you talk about patient education, right, you have to realize most people don't read the brochures, pamphlets, and documents that you hand them. It's not the time for them to really think about what's going on, right? You need to have them read posts and tweets and emails. You need them to watch videos and memes and GIFs, right? You need to talk to them in the manner that they're used to being spoken to. Right, YouTube has over a billion views a day. Right, when you go on and you check a website, every single website has four or five or six video interruptions. Right, why? Because that's how people are used to watching. Right, you have Vines, you have Facebook Live, right, you have all of these snippets of life, but yet when you're being told something really important, they hand you a pamphlet not the way people are used to reading, right? Send it in an email, post it on your website, create a website that actually is user-friendly and keeps people away from Dr. Google, right? These are all things that are going to show your patients and potential patients that you care because if you give something that's really good advice, people are going to share it and people are going to see that, that this health system or this doctor's office really has it going on, and that's going to help you increase, you know, your health system sales. The other thing, though, is it's going to increase the confidence of the person who is sharing this information. If, if they share information from you and they get validation from their friends and their neighbors and their family that this is good information, then they're most likely going to start following it. They are, you're educating them into action. And that action is going to be super important. But you also need to have those pamphlets, brochures, and, and, and documents because there's a large population that still does not live through an online social media presence. Um, you also need it because people will refer back to it when they're in their home. So mailings, and um, things like that are super important, one, for a whole group generation of people, but also as a reminder that, hey, this is the stuff that was just in this post. I now took the time to put it in your hands. Again, put it in action. It, it's very important. You also need to um, surround your patients with education when they're actually seeing you. Right, so we get lots and lots of people coming to us saying people just want to forget about their their problems when they're in a waiting room. I, I can't imagine that that's the case. When I have issues and I have nine herniated discs in my back, I wanted to learn every single thing about what could happen to me and where I would need to go and what I was going to need to do before I saw the doctor so that I was informed. Right? What I didn't need to know was whether LeBron James was wearing a Halloween costume or not. That was not important to me. Right? 
the political climate that we have today, having people upset before they get their blood pressure taken isn't smart. And it's not helping your health system or your doctor's office. So if you think about it, right, typically a patient only sees you for about 10 minutes out of the 55 minutes that they are in your office. So that 45 minutes is gold. You can either let CNN, Fox News, soap operas, game shows, or ESPN occupy that person's mind, or you can take that time to reiterate why they are making the right choice by being with this doctor, by being with this health system, by having this team that cares for them, that is involved in their community, that provides general health and wellness education, that provides um, cues to remind them to do things for preventative health like flu shots, like physicals, like exercising, so that your patient is happier and more engaged with what's going on. It's not babysitting. Waiting areas should not be seen as an area of your office that doesn't matter what goes on, right? If you look at any other waiting area, it is focused on helping the person prepare for whatever's going on. If you're in a waiting area in an auto body shop, they tell you all about the things that are going on. If you're going to see your accountant, your accountant tells you all the things that she's going to do to save you money. Attorneys, right? Everybody is focused on helping that person understand what their systems and processes and procedures are. And doctor's offices, by and large, don't. They have outdated magazines and they've got cable TV. This is not motivating anybody to work harder to live healthier, right? And if you think about what's on those TVs, aside from, you know, the things, other things that are upsetting, your competitors are there, right? You have drug companies advertising. Well, there's nothing better than if you're in a psychologist's office or psychiatrist's office and a person's there because they're not feeling great because they've got some issues and they find out that there's a commercial for a depression medicine and they go in and they ask for it. And then the doctor writes the script. Wow, that, that was great, right? No, that's not great. That, that, that's not what should be happening. You should be pharma-free. You should be commercial-free. You should be competitor-free. You should be news-free. News you should just be focused on helping the patient ready for their appointment. Once in the exam room, right, this is really the time that you want to be educating a patient because they are so hyper-focused on what's going on right now. So you know what? Hand them a tablet with a custom app on there. They're not expensive. Custom apps are, are, are under $2,000, and it would be everything that you need to know and more based on what a practice or health system does. You hand that to them and say, if you're here for hypertension, why don't you learn about everything there is to know about hypertension? We'll talk about the cause, the um, how it affects your body, ways to reduce it, think exercises you can do, diet changes that you can do. We'll give you the tools while you're waiting so that when the doctor comes in, you can ask her specific questions on how to live healthier. And if you start that dialogue, it is a much better dialogue than someone coming in and saying, you have X, do you have any questions? And the answer is no. There are so many other neat tools like 
you could take the computer screens in the office and actually turn them into screensavers that are giving information about the health system, the staff, the doctors, and more. And so when the patient's standing, sitting there, they can watch the computer. They don't even have to touch the computer. It happens automatically. It is really, really neat the way the technologies are right now. And, and the technologies now are becoming more mature, so they're a lot less expensive. We, we always say in our company, we can uh, provide you with custom, personalized patient education platforms for less than the cost of a latte a day. So if you're seeing 100 patients a day, and the cost is about $5 a day, right? It, it, are your patients worth 20 cents? I, I think they are. We believe they are. So that's, uh, that's all really I'm going to say on that. Now we're going to get into benefits, right? So these are some patient benefits that, that come out of education. Engagement, right? Super important. Patients notice effort. They, they notice smiles. They, they notice things that, that show that you're trying to help them get better at what they're doing. It is very, very important to, that, to them that you care, right? In relation to that, these all work hand in hand. They will work harder for you to achieve positive outcomes that try to be health, healthier, right? They are going to be more compliant when it shows that you care. An engaged patient listens to what's going on. They're also likely to be more satisfied with their provider and, and follow their treatment plans. And an aside to this is there are numerous studies that say engaged and motivated patients are less likely to file frivolous medical malpractice suits. That is huge, right? Motivate your patients to do well, and they are more likely to follow and less likely to sue you. And hey, oh, by the way, they're going to increase their referrals. As the engagement and compliance increase, satisfaction increases. Your patients will trust you more, and they will come to you more. If no, for no other reason, they want to keep you in the loop. And that leads to earlier detection of problems. It, it enables you to monitor situations more closely. Depending on the um, event. If, if you're treating somebody who's obese, they can come, I believe, 22 times over the course of a year and have their visits, right, um, uh, be reimbursable. So that type of stuff is, is awesome. And, uh, and at the end of the day, if the patient feels like you're giving it your all, they're going to give it theirs. And that's a huge benefit. Your benefits, on the other hand, aren't as touchy-feely as the patients. Yours are, are pretty hard. You know, you can measure your satisfaction. You can measure your compliance. You can measure, measure engagement. But at the end of the day, one of the things you'll see is you will measure growth because happier, engaged, and compliant patients are healthier. They will refer more. They will stay in your health system longer. They will get their friends and neighbors and family to uh, switch, to, to come and work with such and such doctor, because you are going to be seen as a, as a breath of fresh air. Um, you're going to have patients who stay in network for no other reason than they actually know what you do. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who's a physical therapist. She was working on a person's knee. 
Uh, the person had ACL surgery. She got the person back up and running. Uh, the person, unfortunately, was a bit of a jinx, blew out her ankle, and went to a different PT. And I said to the, the physical therapist, well, well, how did that happen? And she said, you know, quite honestly, I didn't do a good job of letting, letting her know that I do more than knees. Uh, my specialty is a knee, but I obviously also do hips, ankles, shoulders, uh, concussion protocols, and, and the like. I said, well, that's exactly why you need to educate your patient. Don't let them go somewhere else because they didn't know that you didn't do it or did do it. So that's one way to keep people in network is just by educating them on what you do. Decreased readmissions is huge, right? So um, anytime a person gets readmitted within, you know, the 30 days, you don't get paid. So if you are educating them and you're following up properly and you're keeping them engaged, as soon as a problem hits, they know they need to come to your office. They're not using the emergency room as a um, gatekeeper to find out where their health is. They're using you as the gatekeeper, as it well should be. And when you know who your high-risk patients are, you know to take them seriously and get them in, right? 10% of the patients are driving 80% of the overall healthcare cost. When you look at your top 10% patients who are driving that cost, how are you going to keep them engaged and educated into coming to you first, right? By telling them. That's the core. The, the, the core belief is that healthier patients live better lives and you need to figure out how to get the people who are coming to you for help to understand that, live it, and do it. The other thing is that if you look at your age caps, right, there are 18 patient perspectives, but there's six that focus specifically on communication, right? You have communication with your doctors and your nurses and your hospital staff. You have communication about meds. You have your discharge information. And you have pain management. All of these, right, improve based on your level of ed education with the patient. And if you increase your satisfaction scores, you will improve your reimbursement for Medicare. And if you look at it, the most important benefit is the benefit you make in your community. You're going to have a positive impact, and you're going to be helping people live healthier and live better, and you're going to be fulfilling your duty as a health care employee in raising the level of care and quality of the life of the people in your neighborhood. So now what? Well, if you don't know where to start, Halo Health can help you. Right, we can design a program that informs patients on their disease, how to manage it, manage it with or without medication, the questions they should be asking, all of the types of things that uh, they need to. Excuse me. So now what? Well, if you don't know where to start, Halo Health can help. We can design a program that informs patients not only on their disease state but ways to manage it, both with and without medication, what questions they should be asking you, how their treatment plan may affect them both positively and negatively, most importantly, why they should care. Our platforms are tailored to your needs, 
your patient's needs based on the health system, the office, and patient demographics. We ensure that the only messages your patients hear are yours. So if you have any questions, you know, and don't want to uh, do them during this webinar, please reach out to me. My uh, contact information is at the bottom. If there are any questions, uh, feel free to submit them now. And uh, thank you for uh, participating in today's webinar. Okay, um, thank you, Jim. And um, actually, I think we do have we do have a few questions. So um, let's see. I think uh, we had a question that came in. It said, um, "Is it costly to have a person um, make calls all day?" Um, it, it is costly and, and it's overwhelming if you have one person who does nothing but dial for dollars, so to speak, and spend their whole day on the uh, on the phone. What I've seen it has been very successful for practices, especially uh, individual proprietors, is that they have the um, front end and staff take turns, and, and maybe they all take 15 minutes worth of calls at a time, having people leave messages, just just a message that says, hi, this is Dr. Smith's office. We know you were in yesterday. Please give us a call if you have any questions. And, and those types of interfaces and interactions work really well. When the patients call back, it, it's a little disruptive, but at the same time, the patient understands if they're put, old, put on hold for a couple minutes as uh, an expert comes to the phone. So it's costly if you have a dedicated person kind of working the phones all day, but if you split it among the people that you have in the office, it's a lot more manageable. So that's how you recommend handling it if you split it among different, among Absolutely. different individuals? Okay. Yeah, that's definitely what I do. I, I, would, I would recommend having everybody be part of the team with that. You know, having one person doesn't help the culture throughout the whole office permeate. Okay. All right. Um, we had a question concerning um, social media. Um, it was a follow-up to um, that part of your presentation. It said, um, how would we use uh, social media to increase our patient education? That's a great question. Social media is such a powerful tool, and it's so integrated in, in most people's lives right now that um, if you're not using it, you're kind of at a loss. But But simple things can be done to, uh, to really increase people's education level using social media. One of the first things is using Facebook as a way to talk about your community events and, and talk about your practice. Talk about the services that you provide. Talk about the successes that you've had, not at, at, at a patient name level, but in broad-based level. Talk about the health system. You could talk about the new services and features that the offices and, and health system provide. Um, you can use Twitter, which is a huge one, to do simple things that, that are great reminders. You could be talking about, hey, today is um, Halloween. Make sure that you uh, check all of your children's candy before they, uh, before they eat it. If you look at today is National Hamburger Day, you know, you could be funny and say, hey, if you enjoy a hamburger today, make sure you take a walk tomorrow. You know, ways to, to get engagement. You could have a contest based on people who have walked the most after National Hamburger Day, taking the most steps. There, there's, you can do 
um, social media check-ins. You know, everybody who comes to the office and checks in has uh, gets entered into a drawing to win a Fitbit. There, there's lots of fun ways to uh, to get engagement and get people uh, excited about coming to uh, your office. Great, great. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Um, we are not a tech. We're not tech soft. Uh, sorry, <laughs> we're not tech savvy in our office. How do we implement the tablet program? So you know that that's probably one of the biggest things that I get is you know we're we're not tech savvy in our office and you want us to do all this type of stuff. Uh, with the tablet program specifically, most people know how to use an iPad. You know they know how to use a smartphone. So from a uh, user standpoint, you just need to get it in their hands. From a staff standpoint, the only things you really need to know is how to turn it on, how to turn it off, and how to clean it because um, everybody else in, in, in the office that you're handing it to will figure it out. Uh, for the people who are really, really um, tech backwards, so to speak, the, uh, the app can actually be, de be designed where it is foolproof. There are large blocks that say heart disease. You push heart disease, the menu comes up. What is heart disease? How does it occur? You put and you just what do I need to eat if I have heart disease? And it just walks them through, and it's literally point and click. If, if anybody's ever used a computer, they can figure out how to use the tablet. Is there is there a way that um, that uh, for their office that so they're are they using these tablets in um, in the small waiting room when they're waiting for the doctor, or are they using them in the um, ancillary waiting room? I, I, I think that the answer would be they could be used in both areas, but the, um, the, the most effective way is to use it in the exam room. Um, it's okay. the easiest way to keep track of them. What ends up happening is if you use them in the waiting room, uh, they, they, not that they tend to walk, but they tend to get a lot more abuse, where if you use them in the exam room, you know, they, they tend to be treated more gently. Okay, very interesting. Good. All right, it looks like we have one other question from... Um, from our um, attendees. It says, uh, explain the correlation of an educated patient to a satisfied patient again. Okay, this is uh, actually my favorite thing. So um, if, you, if you follow the line, uh, uh, the follow the bouncing ball, so to speak, it, it will go with um, an educated patient is more informed. A more informed patient is happier with their doctors. A patient who is happier with their doctor will be more engaged. A more engaged patient will be more likely to follow their treatment plan. A patient that's more likely to follow their treatment plan will be healthier. A patient who is healthier will be less costly to serve and generate more profit for the health for the health system or doctor. It's uh, it's pretty linear. Um, it's pretty logical, and, and uh, it, it's usually a, a great way for uh, people to think about this. You know, if you can't um, if you can't get your arms around why you should do this, it is it is pretty linear. A, a happier patient is more satisfied, more engaged, is more compliant, adheres to treatment plans, is healthier, and is less costly to serve. Great. Well, um, thank you so much, Jim. And we appreciate you 
um, coming here and um, bringing um, bringing Halo Health International. And um, for our attendees, please use the contact information on the screen for any questions. Or if you send us any questions, we'll forward them on to, to Jim. And you can register for future webinars or request a demo of our compliance solution on our website, which is firsthcc.com, or call us at 888-543-4778. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking to everybody again soon. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>